Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. It is Thanksgiving Eve, but that's not going to stop Brad Spielberger from PFF to join us as he does each and every Wednesday. So, Brad, thank you so much for being here. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Let's go ahead and get started by talking about the Kansas City Chiefs because the statistic of receiver drops it's certainly not sticky from one game to the next one season to the next it's also really hard to say quantified drops because sometimes it's errant throws or other factors things like that but it's really really hard to ignore all of these high leverage drops by chiefs receivers and so i'm wondering in general okay is it such a bad thing right now to where we can't really trust this chiefs offense like we normally could in seasons past and maybe we have real concerns about the chiefs to win the afc i think it's the key you touched on there is that not every drop is created equal so we do have the chiefs as the second highest drop rate in the nfl just receivers alone the highest uh, i thought it was interesting that travis kelsey did have a, a bad showing in last night's game uh, however obviously there was some wind and some rain uh that maybe impacted it Mar- marquez valdez scantling i think has drops like that regardless of conditions but yeah it's it's, it's it's a genuine concern i do think one thing for them though and we saw it last year on the defensive side of the football is i think they do realize i think philly falls in this bucket as well they're so good, they're so talented, that they kind of play through some deficiencies. And they let these young guys make mistakes and fail and just hope that come playoff time, I mean, I mentioned MVS, he had six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown in the AFC Championship game, like stepped up in big moments when he needed to. So I think they're, they're kind of trying to play through the growing pains. But, but yeah, I think it's a legitimate concern. Travis Kelsey also is 33, 34 years old, um, showing some signs of regression in some some areas as well that said like Baltimore loses Mark Andrews maybe for the year you know it's like who do we think is going to steal that crown that that's the probably the bigger question uh Brad let's hit these Thanksgiving games everybody's going to be betting on them people are going to be putting together parlays even people that don't even play parlays uh let's go in order the uh, number is seven and a half for Lions Packers seven and a half the Packers injury report looks rough. We'll see if it's uh, – is there any news there today? Total of 47. What are you playing in the first game? Yeah, so I want to have some fun today with some props. But first, the Lions minus 7.5 is my favorite teaser leg probably of the entire week. So, um, And then you mentioned the injuries. And so that is where this prop comes from. A long shot prop kind of trying to buy low here on the market. So – You first mentioned the Packers injury report. You have Luke Musgrave, who was in the hospital, a tight end for the Packers. I imagine we don't see him play in this game. Dontavian Wicks, their rookie, concussion protocol and a knee, probably not going to play. Jaden Reed pops up with a chest injury. Their top three running backs, uh, excuse me, all injured, limited or out in practice. I can sit here and just keep naming guys that aren't going to be there. So... For that reason, I think a long shot bet here is Christian Watson to have the most receiving yards in this game at 7-1. to one. So then you look at the flip side, the Detroit Lions. In the first matchup between these two teams, the Lions running backs ran the ball 40 times. No receiver had more than 56 uh, receiving yards in that game. That wasn't their MO. They knew they could run on Joe Barry's defense because oh, this podcast could run on Joe Barry's defense. And I think they're going <laughs> to do the same thing uh, again in this Thursday matchup. And so the thinking is it's a bad game script for uh, the Detroit Lions pass catchers. They're playing with the lead. They're going to lean on the run. Jared Goff coming off a horrible three interception, probably should have been four interception game. They'll just pound the rock and rely on that. And the flip side, 
Green Bay playing from behind. I know Christian Watson's done basically nothing all season long, but he's not on the injury report. He is a guy who can pop off and have an 80-yard catch at any moment. I like him 7-1 to one to lead this game in receiving yards in this noon kickoff. Love it. Let's go to the next one. This one up to 12 and a half. The Commanders at the Cowboys. We know the Cowboys don't tend to cover on Thanksgiving. What are you going to play in this one prop side total? Yeah, this is too many points here. I know last week we were looking for a fun uh, plucky underdog with all those double-digit spreads, and I didn't like any of them, uh, including the Carolina Panthers. I do like Washington here. I think 12.5 is too many points. And also, um, at the same time, though, again, a prop here that I really like, not as much of a long shot, but I'm looking at Dallas Cowboys interior defender Osa Adigazua over a quarter sack is plus 145. So we all know at this point about Sam Howell, his issue with pressure to sack rate, top five in the NFL, or I guess I should should say bottom five in the NFL, um, but also how the commanders have given up a lot of these sacks beyond Sam Howell holding the ball too long. The interior of their offensive line is 27th in pressure rate allowed. Their pass block rate is 25th. And we know Micah Parsons, we know Demarcus Lawrence, all those guys on the outside. You have Sam Howell also threw three picks in the last game. I think he's going to go back to holding on the ball a little bit longer. And if he steps up in the pocket, the interior is going to collapse. So you get a good price here on Osa Digazua. But at the same time, I do think 12 and a half points is too many. I'm taking Washington with all that, all that points. Last game on the Thanksgiving Day slate, we've got the 49ers as seven-point favorites against the Seahawks with a total of 43. I assume this is the other leg of your Wong teaser for Thanksgiving. So I didn't, I didn't do a double Wong uh, on the day of Thanksgiving, but but I probably would uh, be in favor of, of bringing the Niners down to one. Yeah, Washington, uh, Seattle's defense has just not been good enough recently. They go out and trade for Leonard Williams. You can still run the football on them. The loss of Uchenna and Wosu has really kind of killed them in terms of applying pressure, but also an underrated run defender off the edge. And so even with Boye Mafi, who I think has had a second-year breakout as a pass rusher, you know, he's, he's an average to above-average run defender, but I think they've just lost the ability. Like, teams can gash them off tackle. And, oh, the San Francisco 49ers are as good as doing that as anyone in the National Football League. So, yeah, not a great matchup for Seattle here. They do, for some reason, beat Kyle Shanahan a decent amount. But I don't like this matchup this weekend uh, for, for Seattle. Okay. What about Friday afternoon? Very strange to say. Friday afternoon, we've got the Dolphins and Jets. It's now Tim Boyle, Zach Wilson, your QB3. Dolphins, a 10-point road favorite for a divisional matchup with a total of 41. Yeah, fitting this is Black Friday. We have to watch Tim Boyle uh, in primetime for the first ever Black Friday showing. Uh, I, I struggle to even find a, an angle here. You know, obviously the Jets defense is a good unit. I, I do think the team is going to be motivated by, yes, Boyle's a career backup, but he's capable of just playing you know, quarterback. Honestly, I don't hate his prop of 160 receiving yards. We know they're going to have to throw the football to keep up with Miami's offense. I, I do also, you know, the issue with the Jets is I wish they would play more at times to the skill sets of their opponents. So we talked about Tyreek Hill, I think, on the show. When they play defenses that play up and press, that jam at the line, that get him off his route stem – that causes problems. We saw it against Kansas City and Germany. We've seen it in other matchups. So you think of a guy like a Sauce Gardner, 
the, the Jets don't really do that. They sit in their cover three shell. They do what Robert Sala is comfortable with. Obviously, look, they're one of the best defenses in the, in the NFL. I'm not telling them they're doing things wrong, but I don't know if it's a great matchup with how Miami's going to attack them. I don't have a play on the spread here, but but I do, strangely enough, think Tim Boyle with a bunch of checkdowns and just trying to keep up in this game will probably go over his 160-yard prop. I can't wait to ask you about Patriots at Giants in this total at 33 and a half. And it's like, it's so bad. It's good. The Patriots just awful. They've only scored more than 20 points once this season. There's like a midweek quarterback controversy. And then on the other side, the Giants just absolutely stick. What are you expecting in this matchup? Yeah, so this one's interesting. The, the Patriots are still top three in the NFL in, in EPA per rush allowed. And without the ability to establish Saquon Barkley, frankly, to establish Tommy DeVito as runners, I think this Giants offense is really going to struggle. And we saw in the Colts matchup in Germany, like the Colts were not able to do that because of the Patriots' run defense. And, and Gardner Minshew was playing Dance Dance Revolution in the pocket back there, really just you know, with a lot of second and long, <laughs> third and long, and had like awful footwork. And I think like that, Tommy DeVito took nine sacks last week uh, against the commanders after they traded away their two-star edge rusher. So I actually do lean the Patriots way. You get the bye week. It's against Belichick's old team. But, you know, frankly, maybe I'll be honest. I'm coaching the bet here as a Bears fan. I really need the Patriots to win this game, uh, you know, so they can get out of the Caleb Williams, Drake May sweepstakes a little bit. <laughs> Was this the version where the arrows were up and down and left to right or the, the silly ones where they were diagonal? Because this matters a lot in terms of analyzing. <laughs> Uh, as far as one game on Sunday I am really looking forward to it would be the Jaguars and the Texans a fight for first place in the AFC South Jaguars are only one and a half point favorites here total of 48 and a half how indicative was the last meeting and the last meeting was nuts but are there things from the last meeting that we can use to help figure out how this game will play out I think so. Yeah, I, I think it wasn't that much of a fluke. I think it was just early on in this Texans run, so we didn't really know what we were dealing with. And you know, to that point, the, the Texans are very bad at run, defending the run, but the Jaguars are one of the worst running teams in the NFL, and everything stems back to their offensive line just not being a good enough unit right now. And so as much as the Texans do not have a great defensive line, they've gotten good enough play from Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, you know, Sheldon Rankins has come on strong in the interior for them. And so like their biggest weakness might be frankly that defensive line unit, but it's a, it's a decent matchup against this Jaguars O-line that really, really has not been good enough. So, and then, you know, both teams are going to be able to throw the football on each other. I think the high score will, will stick and will, will repeat again, because I think both teams are going to throw the ball a ton, knowing the other offense offense can score on their defense but yeah maybe not 37 17 again but I don't think it was a fluke outcome I think it's a bad matchup for the Jaguars in this particular game uh Brad last week we talked about some of the changes going on with play callers and you nailed it with the Bills and then how it wouldn't be much much change with the Panthers right and we saw that result with Frank Reich taking back over the reins well we got word that there's going to be a change in this Steelers matchup Steelers going up against a backup quarterback but they have Kenny Pickett on their side now that Canada is out, what are you expecting? It's uh, a bit of a strange decision what they're doing, kind of combining OC play caller roles with a couple of uh, assistants. 
You know, I think we shouldn't, I guess, look at other teams as an example of what a certain team will do. But I do think Pittsburgh is going to follow a recent blueprint. So first, Bo Hardview with the Las Vegas Raiders steps into coach Aiden O'Connell, whose yeah. first game against the Chargers had a time to throw almost of three seconds, comes in at a 2.1 average time to throw, the second fastest game we've charted in the NFL this year. And then this past week with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, get rid of the Ravens game, throw it out the window. He found out he was starting on Friday. You look at this game. 2.13 average time to throw against these Pittsburgh Steelers, the third fastest game we've seen. And they also cater this offense entirely around his legs, his ability to run, they had a bunch of QB power, zone read, all these different elements that, that kind of amplified what he does well, which we didn't see against Baltimore because I think Stefanski just couldn't change the game plan in time. So you look at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, I think you are going to see moving the pocket a bunch, splitting the field in half, some high-low concepts, some half-field reads, and really just get the ball into Deontay Johnson and George Pickens' hands and let them go to work, probably more Jalen Warren, um, you would imagine. So I actually do think it's kind of intervention bias. It's probably not actually saying, you know, they're, they're a better offense now, but I think they just simplify things down. They make Kenny Pickett a, a one-two read guy and just trust the playmakers they have. I actually think it will be meaningful. I think they will be able to score on a Bengals defense that has not been good at all this year. Mm -hmm. I want to open it up to you. What side, total, or props, matchups you're looking to expose do you like that we have not touched on yet? Yes. So the second leg of that long teaser I mentioned with the Detroit Lions is the Cleveland Browns and Dorian Thompson-Robinson oh, yeah. out to plus eight and a half against the Denver Broncos. I am fading this narrative that the Broncos are great now and they're playing great football. Uh, the last five games compared to the first five, they have a worse net yards per play. They have a worse EPA per play uh, in these five versus the first five. And yet they are four and one. And this matchup in particular, I do not like. The Broncos defense is 29th in EPA per rush allowed. They're third. 30th in success rate against the run, and they're 31st in yards per carry against the run. So you're going to see a healthy dose of Jerome Ford, of Kareem Hunt, and in particular, the Broncos have also struggled against running quarterbacks. You saw Justin Fields, other matchups was just not good matchups against them. I am fading that narrative, and that defense is going to suffocate Russell Wilson, get a bunch of pressure, <laughs> and I think that the 8.5 and, and a 35-point total, I love that leg to close out that long teaser. I started our conversation talking about the AFC playoff picture. How about we get to the NFC playoff picture? Because it does seem like that some random team could very well sneak in and get that last wild card spot. Is there value somewhere where you feel like there's a team we're not talking about in the NFC that could very well sneak into the playoffs? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think maybe it, the value is probably not great just because they are a team that people view highly, but the Los Angeles Rams, if they can stay healthy and continue mm -hmm. to improve on offense and score some points, could probably sneak in. You know, if the NFC South kind of cannibalizes each other and we only get the division winner there and we don't get a Bucks or Falcons or Saints wild card, you know, maybe one of those teams sneak in because I'm not seeing it in the NFC North. I don't see Chicago. I don't really see Green Bay. They are playing better football, but I just don't see it there. And then, yeah, like the Cardinals, you know, they'll win a couple games here and there, but I still think the Rams should be able to take care of that matchup. So that's probably one I would look into. I'm not trying to overreact to the Seattle game. It's more fundamentally they still have been a good offensive team, and I think Raheem Morris has coached that defense up above their talent level. They're probably a decent value. 
Good stuff. Brad Spielberger of PFF. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the Eagles host the Bills on a short week. Bets for the best game of the week and more right here on the BetQL Network.